Good evening and welcome to episode 83 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2015 Regional Champion and 2015 Australian Nationals Top 8 Competitor, Wilfie Horrig. Hi, what's up? 2015 Regional Top 8 Competitor, Hollis Echo. I love me some pancakes. 2014 World's Top 16 Competitor, Jesse Marshall. Hello. And I'm your host, Brian Holland. And tonight we're talking about Sulset Island, and we've got a lot of cards to get through today. And we're going to start with Making an Entrance. It's an Anarch event, priority, cost zero, influence two. Play only is your first click. Look at the top six cards of your stack. You may trash any of those cards and arrange the rest in any order. Hollis, what do you think? I really like it. Um, I think that, you know, Anarch is always trying to be consistent with this, uh, you know, the Wild Side, uh, just a chronotype promo. And I feel like this card, especially in, in that... Uh, Specifically for that combo, this card helps you, you know, find the cards you need, um, get that combo in place. Uh, it seems like when I play an Anarch deck, um, usually, I mean, four out of five of the Anarch decks I'll even take a look at will have that combo as a part of it. So having another piece in here that can help that consistency or simply just look for one card even that I, you know, that I really need to see immediately right now is fantastic. Yeah, it seems as though this card is almost a criminal card again. Uh, it's sort of in that street peddler vein of card selection, Mr. Lee sort of action. Yeah. The thing that makes it anarchy, anarchy yeah, that's actually an actual word. So anyway, <laughs> the thing that makes it anarchy is that um, you can trash the cards. And I'm not sure that that is really what you want going to be want to be doing that much in your wild side deck because you generally want to get value out of every single card when you're wild side fasting because obviously even dead cards are useful for your fast um so it's better early in those decks as you say hollis when you're actually trying to find the wild side and the adjusted chronotype but probably not as good later in terms of the trash ability but still possibly good in terms of the fact that you get to select the cards that you want uh i'm not sure if it's gonna be good enough because the ability to just look at a few cards off the top of your deck is not amazing and probably not worth a card slot in terms of it's competing with probably cutlery events and things like that um, that are going to be more impactful most of the time. Uh, so I don't think this sort of consistency card is the, is the exact thing that Anarch really needs at the moment, given that once you do find your wild side, your deck's so consistent anyway. But we'll see. Please send us your making an entrance slash Eureka deck list. We'd love to see them. Uh, the next card is Sulset Slums, been getting a lot of attention lately. It's an Anarch Resource Location, CD, Install 2, Influence 2. Once per turn, when you pay the trash cost of an access card, remove that card from the game instead of trashing it. Jesse, this has been your godsend since the Bioethics deck is propped up. How have you been finding it outside of that matchup? Uh, so outside of that matchup, it is still useful to an extent in that you can get rid of... Uh, so, first, a couple of things to note on this card. One is that you can't get rid of things that you trash with Edward Kim because you're not uh, paying the trash cost of them. You also can't get rid of things that you trash with political operative and other effects. You have to actually be accessing the card and pay the trash cost of it. So, it's generally going to be assets or upgrades that you access and pay the trash cost of. Um, with that aside, it, it's really... Or ice. Or yeah, ice or ice. In the upcoming cycle. Um, for the upcoming cycle that you access in Boilers, centrals. Please. Yeah. Um... Uh, that you access essentials if it actually has a trash cost on it, not if you kill, uh, input or something like that. That won't work. Yeah, so it's good against, uh, I guess, good targets for it are sort of um, Ash, Caprice, and Jackson, uh, probably the three most commonly played things that you want to get rid of permanently. Uh, getting rid of Sand Sands is obviously good as well, but it's a little bit less likely that you're going to have this in play at the one or two times in a game that you're actually going to be afford to, afford to be able to trash the Sand Sand for its five. Um, but it is good with... Uh, Wizard, obviously, especially good because you're more likely to be able to be doing things like trashing high-cost cards more often by paying their trash cost, uh, but also still good with 
Parisia in Shapers and things like that. So I've been enjoying having one splashed into Kate. I think the main reason that uh, people are quite excited about being able to play this card in the decks is the rise of Biolock, as uh, was noted earlier. And I think that the main reason that this is good against Biolock is because um, Museum of History and Jackson Howard both want, of course, need cards in archives to be effective, maximally effective. But not only that, the deck really wants to prolong the game until its um, start of turn assets can take effect, especially Bioethics Committee. And so having Salset Slums in your deck kind of reverses the effect of Museum and Jackson in that it puts a clock, it causes the natural clock of a deck with all assets, which is that eventually you'll draw uh, agendas and have nothing to do with them because you can't fast advance them or score them in a remote. Um, Salset Slums kind of brings the game back to that state, whereas Museum of History especially, Jackson not so much because you can only do it a limited number of times, Museum of History really goes a long way to making the those kind of horizontal, very slow decks work, and so Sunset Slums gives decks with a large money engine, or I guess Wizard now counts as a large money engine, a way to deal with Museum of History decks in an efficient way. The first criminal card is Exclusive Party, and it's an event, cost zero, influence one. Draw one card. Gain one credit for each copy of Exclusive Party in your heap. Limit six per deck. I think this is the most interesting uh, consumer-grade type card that has been released as yet. Hollis, you were saying before the episode that you liked this card. What do you think? Uh... Did I say that? I'm not sure if I said. Nah, that. I'm putting words in your mouth. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure that's exactly what came out. I mean, the, for the purpose. <laughs> jeez, I mean, it's pretty clear that like, it's pretty clear that I, when I first read this card, uh, I made a big mistake. I, I, I mentioned before that we started recording that my, I thought this card said something to the effect of like, draw one card and gain a credit based on the number of these in the discard pile. In which case, that kind of value seemed well, it seemed amazing. Uh, because you're getting such a large benefit, but it requires so many deck slots. So in my head, even though it was very powerful after card three and four, it was actually worth it. It made sense now. Um, but in this particular case, uh, you know, paying zero to draw one card. So, I mean, that's that's whatever. And then gain one credit for each copy of exclusive party in the heap, meaning that the first exclusive party doesn't do anything. Um, it's already bad enough that in order for the card to be useful, you would need six in your deck in order to be able to get a true advantage out of this see it early enough to trash it things like that but not really getting anything really for the first two to three times you use it is pretty rough like this card would need to be making a value practically at card two um yeah and the two. first one doesn't count for itself which is yeah so you, the first really one's bad. just a cantrip none of them yeah. count for themselves yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. count themselves. So that well, the first one just it. replaces itself. Yeah, right. and does nothing. This is yeah. quite similar to Spy Camera in Geist. Like, it's quite funny that that's the other consumer grade criminal card, and they pretty much do the same thing. Because Spy Camera, you'd only really ever play in Geist, and in that deck, it's basically zero costs cantrip. Like, it draws you another card when you trash it. It gives you its ability, which is look at the top card of R and D, and if you have Tech Traders in play, then it gains you credit. So it's almost exactly the same card, but you get to look at the top card of R and D. Um, so I sort of wish they'd made Spy Camera's other ability, which people will never presumably use because it relies on you having a whole lot in play. I sort of wish they'd combine these two cards and have um, 
the second ability on spy camera refer to the number in the heap instead. But anyway, I mean, that's just speculation about what how cards could have been designed differently. But I, I don't think this card's really very good at all for the reasons that Hollis outlined. The next card is Vama Deva. It is a program icebreaker AI Deva install six, memory one, strength two, influence two. It has the ability one credit, break ice subroutine on a piece of ice with exactly one subroutine. One credit for plus one strength and two credits to swap Vamadeva with a Deva program from from your grip. Wilfy, what do you think of this one? I think the strangest things about the Deva programs to me is that the strangest things about the Deva programs to me are that when you have all three of them, like the ideal situation is to get to a point where you have one in play and two in your hand, right? But to do that you presumably need to play multiple copies of each of them because you can't you have to draw into them natural drawing into them naturally is ideal to maximize the swap ability but once you have all three of them it actually doesn't allow you to break that many more ice or i guess maybe playable ice or ice in general than just having one of them i think like the fact that they each so perhaps the ideal situation is to have all three in play and then all three in your hand <laughs> so that you can... What? Swap them? No, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't, no. no. So, yeah, no, you're right, because otherwise you're paying so many credits to swap them. I was just thinking, like, if you have some, like, maybe two in play and then two in your hand, then you don't have, you don't to, have to do the swapping often. so often, but even then, you know. But, yeah, like, the fact... I guess it's kind of comparable to Chameleon in that you have sort of three breakers that swap in and out of play and combined allow you to break uh, a large uh, group of the ice in the game and need support cards in this case regular breakers some sort of regular breakers at least to be effective and I think Chameleon does this card job or the Davis job in general much better so I guess the other thing is playing these cards on their own and Vamadeva is okay for that um, is it? It's kind of not very well costed, and six is so much for an icebreaker. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean it's almost yeah. Garot. That's one credit off Garot. And Garot sees a lot of play. Yeah, I would not like to play this card. I think no, a I don't would like to either. Even if it is the preserver, the next card is the first shaper card, uh, Brahman. It's a program, Icebreaker AI, install 4, memory 2, strength 3, influence 3. It has the ability, 1 credit, break up to 2 ice subroutines, and 2 credits for plus 1 strength. Whenever an encounter with a piece of ice in which you used Brahman to break a subroutine ends, add 1 installed non-virus program to the top of your stack. This obviously acts as a fairly significant drawback with the non-virus caveat in there i believe probably to stop any sort of fun virus recursion with noise like imagine if you could put your cache back on top yeah. of your deck or even outside of noise something like that uh which seems a bit unfortunate but jesse what do you think of this card as our shaper player uh look we, we've all picked our factions yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just don't really deviate after you pick them you I, know? I really want to play anarch <laughs> but i can't because i'm the shaper player <laughs> yeah you are yeah. um no, in all seriousness, though, I think I spoke a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing the Shaper Deva about the fact that it sort of could help to replace Atman in some situations, being the premier Shaper AI currently. Um, and I think that this is probably better 
than Atman in some situations. If you're using Atman as a last resort ice to break things like Mother Goddess or other mythic ice that your regular breakers won't break, then this probably does it as well um, in terms of efficiency and the fact that you can use it on different things and don't have to set it like you do with Atman possibly makes it a little bit better. Um, It's also reasonably efficient and you could use it in your sort of one big run um, when you're getting past a piece of ice that's otherwise a little bit too expensive given that it's one to break two subroutines. But the fact that it's two for plus one strength sort of negates that anyway. I mean, it's... Yeah. It also takes up two memory and costs four. Yeah, so... I don't know. I could see it potentially being that sort of silver bullet. I can break anything that my regular breakers can't, but yeah, thinking about it again, Atman probably just does that better. Hulse, did you want to add anything? I've got nothing. Um, got- <laughs> just, just like this card. Just like this card. <laughs> uh, the next Shaper card is uh, Patron. Did you want to correct me there, Hulse? Um, It's uh, pronounced Patron, you pleb. Oh, Patron. 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 Resource connection in store three, influence three. When your turn begins, you may choose a server. The first time you make a successful run on that server this turn, instead of accessing cards, draw two cards. This is a bizarre hybrid between security testing and wild side and doesn't really hold up to either, in my opinion. Wilfie, will you be, pl- will you be playing it? So I think that is quite an apt comparison. And... The thing that makes it much worse... It kind of inherits the drawbacks of both. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. the sense that you have to have an unprotected server to get your advantage, like security testing. Or, you know, not an unprotected server, but to get maximum advantage. But it's a, a huge tempo hit to play it like Wildside is, or a significant tempo hit to play it like Wildside is, and you want to play it as early as possible. Um, but the power level, I think, isn't nearly at the same point as those cards are and especially it just doesn't fit as well in faction as testing or wild side do but that's a bit more subjective i think there are much better ways in shaper to draw cards yeah the shaper is not really lacking in good card draw but it is lacking in good ways to get into servers early also it costs three which i i think uh really puts it out of playability in my opinion and over the course of the game, is it going to draw you more cards than Professional Contacts for two less credits? <laughs> Probably not. Like, it's a connection, it's a resource. It's got all the same drawbacks as Professional Contacts in terms of how it can be killed. Uh, Je- Jesse, can you say this for your other podcast called The Professional Contacts Agenda? <laughs> <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, just back off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first neutral runner card is Sports Hopper. Hardware, vehicle, install three, influence zero, plus one link. And you can trash it to draw three cards. Now, Hollis, what do you think about this card other than providing the flavor text for it? <laughs> that is it. What, what's um, the other card that... Uh, 2X Tiger. Who, what's the other card where ti- the uh, Tiger is like, I keep on seeing this ad for a uh, car? <laughs> is that actually a thing? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I'll, I'll oh, that is amazing. In, uh, oh, that's good. So he's like, so he's like oh, I want to... Concept Hopper? And he's like, oh, man, I want to buy that car. And now he's got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just it's saying. A sports hopper. I mean, they they should have. I should have gotten some sort of like you know payment, but that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> that's fine. That's all right. You've um, been immortalized. This card have is to win worlds. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, that's all that's left. Just win it. So easy. Um, 
I like this card uh, for you know the obvious reasons that it's there, right? Like it it can be a net damage and meat damage and other damage if there is, is that a thing. Uh, prevention. Faust. Yeah, Faust I mean, fuel. Yeah, it, it could be Faust fuel um, in the matchups where you don't particularly need Plascreet. Um, this card is still useful. It's not amazing because uh, three credits for three cards not amazing, but it's still better than being a, a relatively dead card in that matchup where you don't need the Plascreet. However, Plascrete, when you do need it, is way better. Like, oh my god. So, I, I, I don't know, I just, I really like this card. Um, just on the premise that it, it kind of allows me to play around a little differently. I can see people doing weird stuff if they wanted to. Like, if they wanted to make sure they have the same sort of blanket of protection. I can see them going nuts and putting two, if they really wanted to. I don't think I would. Um, but I, I could see that if, if Plascrete would get dropped. And they'd rather have a bad card draw as opposed to a completely dead. Also, would, a Plascrete rotates. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's that is also true. When you play this card, Hollis, is there anything in particular you might say to your opponent? Um, I would probably tell them, uh, check out my new ride. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I would proceed to win the game. And then win worse, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's especially good in Geist. Yes. Yes, exactly right. Drunk four cards. Whoa. Uh, the, uh, last, uh, the last runner card it's is... It's a bit weird, bas- isn't it? Bizarre, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god, I walked into that one, didn't I? Fuck. <laughs> it's <laughs> got me. It's a it's a resource location ritzy somehow. Uh, install one influence zero. Whenever you install a piece of hardware from your grip, you may install another copy of that hardware from your grip, paying all costs. Now, outside of the headache, this is sure sure to cause me uh, when I'm playing against Haley. Uh, what do we think of this ability? We've seen effects like this before. So it's a nice combo with Replicator. Replicator, yeah. So many things. Hardwares, yeah. yep. Get all, get all, all the, the hardwares. hardwares from your deck. While, you're, while your opponent scores the agendas, yeah. Um, <laughs> so for when you've got it and Replicator in play, it basically says whenever you install a piece of hardware, you can search your deck for any other copies of that and install them in the same click, which is kind of cool. Turns all your hardware into rabbit holes. If that's an effect that you want, and if yeah. there's a hardware that you want <laughs> Lots free of, of yeah. you can play all the time. Uh, maybe that, uh, yeah. hold on, to be fair, what's that uh, Shaper consumer grade card from a couple of packs ago that we thought Net was ship? okay? That one? That, that'd be all right. But you still have to have it in your hand. You'd, you'd be hosting something. heaps of programs for lots yeah. of memory. You could combo off. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad card. The fact that no, it has no, it's just it's interesting. That, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, the fact that it has that synergy with an existing card means that it's reasonably powerful because you're at that point, doing something similar to what Corpse do with Mumbad City Hall. Uh, Wolfie's very tight-lipped because he's figured out the uh, tier 1 strategy he's going to be using with this card, I assume. Uh, if I had figured it out, that would be good, but I <laughs> was just going to say that I assume this heralds the return of the Swamp King to never <laughs> Oh, yes. Replicator is good again. Yeah. <laughs> he will, we will have him on soon to talk about it. That's our uh, shadowy winning agenda panelist, Thomas Daniel. Oh, I'm sure our listeners know who the Swamp King is. Oh, of course they do. <laughs> they, all, they all beg him for regency. Is yeah. it a, a swamp, the Swamp King or he's a the Swamp, swamp King? king. He, oh. not, he's the king of all the swamps. <laughs> there isn't more than one. <laughs> with with uh, Bizarre, I feel like it's going to, like... This is definitely a super combo-y card. So, I mean, just like any time I see like combo-y sort of cards. I know that someone out there is going to build a deck that's going to be, it's going to have a lot of moving parts and it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, 
So if you're that guy or girl who uh, creates that combo deck, I would actually like to see it. Because I feel like the best hardware in the game is obviously very expensive and is a huge tempo hit, right? Like RDI is a huge tempo hit, HUI is a huge tempo hit. Losing four credits to install it is pretty massive. So, yeah, who's paying 12? No one's paying 12. No. <laughs> so, so, I mean, basically, if you have an economy engine that works around... If you have an economy engine that could support the installation of multiple pieces of hardware, and that hardware is functional, it's not just, look at me, I can install you know, all these superfluous hardware pieces, um, I, it would be something I think would be interesting to see. It, the deck will probably use something we've never seen before, like Inside Man, or I, I don't know. I don't know. The... <laughs> The first corp card is an HB agenda, personality profiles. It's an agenda, security, advanced three, score one. Whenever the runner searches his or her stack or installs a card from his or, <coughs> or, installs a card from his or, or her heap, he or she must trash a card from his or her grip at random. Uh, this is a pretty cool effect, I think, and it may have been wasted on a three-for-one agenda. We talk a lot about the three-for-one slot and how they have to have a pretty good effect to really make it into your deck uh wilfie what do you think of this card there are there are two options one's on the left hand side of the art and one's on the right hand side which one do you think <laughs> i yeah I, I like this art i think the dra- drama master cool um, no, no as in like how do you feel about the card left or right yeah. oh uh depends which side you're looking at it from well from the front of the card well, it's not obvious. You could be the person. In the <laughs> yeah. <art. laughs> he's okay. He's established person? that he's the guy in the middle of the card. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this card is yeah basically what you said was right. Three for ones, of course, need an ability that's really strong to be playable, and this kind of is just marginal. Like I'd like to see this kind of ability on like an asset or something. Or if you I could like could sideboard cool. it in against shapers, that'd be kind of cool. How could you? What sort of deck would trigger this multiple... T- what sort of runner deck, especially, yeah. would trigger this multiple times in a turn to make it, like, good? I mean, you can compare it to housekeeping, where they have to trash a card from their grip. Not at random, but they yeah. do. That Every time often, they... Right? Like, the first time they install a card each turn, which... And runners install cards, even playing around housekeeping, runners install cards much more often than they search their stack or install a card specifically from their heap. Yeah, and housekeeping doesn't see that much play. But it is good. Like, it is good. No, that's what I'm saying. So when you're comparing that ability to this one, which is on an agenda, which is uh, a very competitive slot for a three for one or two for one, uh, like if you wanted this kind of effect, you could, you know, it's not got a play couple it. of things going for it over housekeeping though. In that it, it's random, can't yeah. be gotten rid of, and it's random, yeah. um, and it's not the first time each turn, so they can't play around it in that way. But this, like you said, Wolfie, it's only likely to happen a certain number of times each game, whereas housekeeping. They're presumably wanting to install pretty much every turn. So if you're stopping them, then you're stopping them from doing what they want to do every turn. Whereas with this, um, even if you've got three SMCs and three clone chips, it's only six times you're probably going to be doing this in a game as a shaper who's probably going to be doing this more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah. It'd be a pretty cool card if you're just playing a small meta where there's a lot of shapers or something like that. Pretty cool. Uh, The next card is Jeeves Model Bioroids. It is a... An asset, alliance, res 2, trash 5, influence 3. This card costs zero influence. If you have six or more non-alliance HB cards in your deck, the first time you spend three clicks on the same action each turn, gain a click. Uh, A lot of people are pretty excited for this card. I haven't really seen what people are using it for specifically as yet. Hollis, how do you feel? Um, 
this card is boss. Like, I, I love this. Um, the collective. So it, it basically triggers off anything that is any corp action that they can use a total of three clicks. This includes doing things like uh, what uh, a, a local friend, Jean, has done when he's played a, a deck using this card. He's using cards like Shipment from, um, from Sansan um, to place advancements uh, on a card and then playing like a... Um, oh, what is that card? Subliminal Messaging. And so, oh, to gain the click, yeah. Right, to gain the, to gain the click back. So it goes. So it's basically gain the click. You've already and and the the shimmer from Sandstand counts as a double event. So it's two. Through all three actions are spent on events. So you, now you have two additional clicks. Such a cool, such a cool neat like. And you can also do that like. after installing, which is very cool and important. Can yeah. you? Yes, because yeah. you install subliminal messaging shipment from Sandstand. You've only used three clicks. The install on the shipment. But because you spent three clicks playing events, oh, the place three should, yeah, you yeah, get yeah, an right. extra click. So you can fast advance using that combo, which is kind of sweet. And the cost, like the, the ratio of this card is basically what you would expect from any great card that commonly gets played, right? It's two to res, five to trash. Um, if this card was any less to res, you know, that would only just add to the value of how good the card is. The runner, it, it's not like a director Haas where they gain, you know, agenda points by trashing this card. So it, this card is just advantageous. It basically doesn't really have a drawback short of you know, being weak against Wizard, I guess. But even then, Wizard still pays real money to get rid of this card. So it just it's just pretty well-placed. And you can afford to put it in a scoring server early, which makes it quite difficult for a lot of decks to deal with, particularly if you're going off the shipment from Sansan Fast Advance track. Um, down that track, rather. Um, but you can also use it to just get incremental value, which is what's really nice about it, I think. The fact that if you just install three things, you get an extra click. If you take three credits, you get four credits. That's kind of sweet. Or an extra click, rather. That you, you can get do an extra click, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be kind of good, like you said, Jesse, to put it in your early early uh, scoring server while you develop your board if you're playing a more glacier strategy where you might install a bunch of things, play, play a few operations and things like that just to establish how things are going. So in the early turns, it'd be quite good. That's quite I mean, good with blue level parents, too. Yes, yes. Uh, Wilfie, any opinion, or is this a bit too close to home for you? I mean, it's sort of like stereotyping by roads a bit. Isn't it? I know, that's why I'm... Yeah, that's pretty much um, uh Yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit down on this card just because I think that uh, having to keep in your scoring server... Uh, depends what you're doing. Like, if you're trying to fast advance, I think it's really not that great to have to build a scoring server. Have to probably build a scoring server in order to get multiple biotic labors out of it like trigger it multiple times in a game just because it uh, i guess it comes back to the asset test like if you trigger it once if you have it in play it stays in play for a turn and you, you trigger it once it's good if you can get something actually valuable on that turn but it's really hard it's much harder to have that effect multiple times in a turn unless you really really build your deck around it and building your deck around it i think kind of limits your ability to build a scoring server like if you're going to play really glacially with it i think the problem is that usually you want to your general turns are doing three different things especially with the core hp identity since that really pushes you to install at least one card a turn um so i'm not certain it has like it's okay in fast advance i think and okay in glacier but it's kind of hard to see where it fits since decks really I think HP decks especially need to pick where to focus like not entirely pick where to focus but 
have to pick one direction in which to push, and I think this is hard to fit in either of those shells. Um, it, uh, it could potentially um, work okay with Eliza's toy box in the sense oh, yeah. that you yeah. can use the ability and then install the thing for the next turn, but that's, I mean, that cut's pretty bad, um, and that only makes it marginally better, but at least that way you're doing what you want to be doing every turn and getting more value out of your toy box, potentially. Getting more value out of your toy box. Uh, quote attributed to Jesse Marshall, unprompted. Potentially. <laughs> <Context> free. <laughs> yeah. I said potentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think that, the like, it has, it can do some powerful things, but I think it's really not that easy to make it do things that you want to do every turn. Yeah, and that makes it probably not a an amazing card. The first Jinteki card is Raman Rai. Asset, Alliance, Res 1, Trash 3, Influence 3. This card costs zero influence if you have six or more non-Alliance Jinteki cards in your deck. Once per turn, you may lose a click when you draw a card. If you do, reveal that card and a card in archives of the same type, then swap those cards. Very unique and interesting effect. Hollis, what do you think? Um, it is unique and interesting. Um, I'm not really sure... Over, over the past, you know, I guess a year, really, the only two decks I've played have been, you know, RP and... Uh, or, sorry, only two Jinteki decks I've played have been Replicating Perfection and, you know, now recently uh, Palana Foods. And the issue is that neither of them sort of benefit from um, swapping that often, um, using this effect that often. I would assume that this benefit is incredibly useful for when you're playing, like, uh, PE, and you've got a ton of cards that basically do damage, or, or in, you uh, you can install face down, and the runner doesn't know you know what they are, and um, basically play the the normal Jinteki mind game on them. Then again, you know, if unless there's you know really dangerous things in archives, the fact remains is they're going to be able to know you know what you took back, what you swapped for, um, and my, that that alone can be a pretty good indicator of what's installed. Then again, it might not. Haha, <laughs> Jinteki mind games. Yeah, so I mean, I'm you could really... potentially go, like, swap, draw an asset, swap the asset for an overrider, and then motion. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, things like that are pretty, yeah. uh, are pretty, I mean, I think are very good. <laughs> sure. Like, I, I'm really bad at Jinteki, guys, so, like, uh, I'm horrible at determining how good these cards are. That does require, as Wilfie said with Jeeves, you to have this in play for a turn, resident, right. then draw the asset that you want. Like, if you just draw something else, like a hedge fund, you're just like, oh bugger i guess i'll swap this for a neural or something or a yeah it's just not that good at that point because it triggers off the card drawn which is information you don't have in most cases also when you pull things out of the discard pile on the corpse side you kind of don't care that the runner knows what it is mostly because the intent is to use the card almost immediately right like so when you like you can a lot of times people will archive memories for you know the body claver archive memories for the jackson i mean the the plan is pretty clear there but I mean, having to have this card survive and then pulling out a card and expecting the runner who's, you know, competent to not know what you've now taken, number one, that's a tall order. And, I mean, the usefulness of it is not very good. Also, losing a click is just terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and look, I, I will point out that I did just say that the top card of your deck is not information you have. And obviously, if you're playing Heritage Committee or other Jinteki cards that allow you to rearrange the cards on top of your R&D, that's not the case. But... We're talking about this card in and of itself, and generally, the top card of R&D that you're about to draw is information you don't have. That's my disclaimer. The 
Next Jinteki card is Upa Yoga. It's an Ice Code Gate Psy Res 3 Strength 4 Influence 1. The first subroutine is you and the runner secretly spend 0, 1, or 2. Reveal spent credits. If you and the runner spent a different number of credits, the runner loses 2 credits. The next subroutine is resolve a subroutine on a piece of rest Psy Ice. I'd really rather not talk about this card because it's pretty terrible, but we should highlight why it is bad. Jesse, you had some good points before we started recording. What do you think of Upa Yoga? Um... Imagine if they spent the runner spent two though, and you spent zero, and then they lost another two. <laughs> How sick would that be? And then you got to do it again. Yeah. And then you did it again, and they lost eight. That would mm. be insane. On a piece of rest, on a subroutine. On oh, so you can do it again. It's yeah, not another piece of science. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. I guess. Imagine spending three to for the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Like, mm. Um. Look, Sai. It. it feeds well into Nisei Division, I'll give it that, in that it finds a way to turn your ID ability from Nisei Division into something that runner actually cares about, because when it's tilting side games in your favour that are going to interrupt the runner and disrupt their game plan, they're going to have to be a little bit more wary of it. Um, so, yeah, we will we will reach a critical mass of cards that have side abilities that are relevant that Nisei Division will be playable. Um, however... And obviously the second subroutine on this card is better in that deck because you're more likely to be playing other Psy Ice anyway. But the problem with resolving another subroutine on another piece of Psy Ice is that you do have to win the Psy game. And in general, even with Nisei Divisions tilting the Psy game slightly in your favor, even if assuming that's true, which is not always the case, the Psy Ice, I think, is so overcosted um, for what it does that it's rarely good to even just be resolving another size subroutine so yeah until we start seeing the the power level of size pushed a bit i don't think that this card is going to cut it although i will say that it says the runner loses two and doesn't have the text if able so yeah could yeah it's in the in the vein of ronald five where they lose a click not if able they just lose the click um yeah so well no i'm legit I'll, i will ask jacob to confirm if uh the runner only has one credit do they still lose them because it doesn't say if able that's true yeah, like that's a, it's a bit different to the Ronald Five situation, but you know I do agree. Any throwback to Hollis's card, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first WN card is Ayabata Tech, uh, Asset Ritzy Res Two Trash Three Influence Two. Whenever there is a successful trace, gain one credit, and the runner loses one credit. I feel about as excited as this card as I do about the previous one. Um, paying two on an asset in your, I assume, trace only deck to get this marginal benefit when your traces are successful, not even when they're initiated, which might make this card a bit more interesting, is pretty boring to me. Uh, Wilfie, what do you think of this one? Um, I'm actually the exact opposite. I'm extremely excited to put it in my trace-only deck, but there's one problem. <laughs> it doesn't trace. So can uh, if anyone would like to post in the comments resolving this dilemma for me, then Give it away that to would trace. Be much appreciated, um, but like <laughs> to be real, I'm not sure how often people see successful traces go off. Like there mm. seem to be three major situations. One is when you know, you have care. more money than them and you're going to kill them, so it doesn't matter at all what happens with this. Two is the trace strength starts so high that. Um, Basically, it's not worth... Like, for an ice or, or an asset, the trace strength starts so high that it's not worth for either the corp 
to put more money into it or the runner to match it in which case this does do something but those traces don't really happen that often because a runner is not frequently going to run ice where that's the case for example and the third situation is where some with something like ash where you usually boost do boost it and the runner has the choice or you sometimes boost it and the runner has the choice as to whether it's better to match it or to just let you be successful and this last second two categories are where this is actually useful but I'm still unsure as to how often even when you have a deck that's full of lots of those kind of cards um, so if I had lots of turnpikes and Gutenbergs in my deck that the runner was going to be running through allowing the trace of fire take the tag then remove it this drains them of credits along the way right yeah and so is, that's is the, that good enough yeah yeah the that's question. the second situation yeah. where the yeah. runner the trace strength starts so high that the runner you know is kind of advantaged to letting the trace fire but when you're talking about ice it's still not really like that because like they can just not even if you can protect this it just makes your gutenberg a bit trace functionally a little better it doesn't like stop them yeah. from running through the gutenberg or or anything like that really I just think the two res costs is like a slap in the face. I, I feel like in the current state of the game with how traces how they are, if this was zero to res and didn't have a trash cost, it still wouldn't see play. Like, I just... I think we're too far into the game to see weak effects like this, which seem to seems like something you would see in the Genesis cycle, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just a bit boring. Uh, the next way... Uh, the next NBN card is Salem's Hospitality. It's an Operation Alliance. Great Ops costs to influence four. It costs zero influence if you have six or more non-alliance NBN cards in your deck. Name a card. The runner reveals his or her grip and trashes all copies of the named card from his or her grip. Jesse, how do you feel about card effects like this? Um, I mean, we. I think we can do a separate episode on all of the funny uses for this card in the sense of what would you like to see Salem throw overboard off his yacht? <laughs> um, but we'll, yeah, we'll do that in a separate episode. Um, yeah. uh, in terms of card right, effects can we, like can we this... Can do like one now? Everyone just do one? Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, gee, that's a lot of pressure. Isn't it? Um, all, uh, so all, the runner's wardrobe of Plaskrate Carapaces. Uh, monolith, yeah. <laughs> all your monoliths. <laughs> We'll Imagine see poor old Salem what? lifting those up, trying to throw them over the edge. Yeah. Um, I would probably say uh, no Earthrise right Hotel. Answer. I like the idea. All the Earthrise Hotels. <laughs> 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 Just all of them. Hollis? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, Hollis, yeah. Uh, all those disgusting buttermilk pancakes from a Just a Chronotype. <laughs> all, of them get, all of them get gone. Oh, gosh. All right. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, so anyway, back, back onto on. the card. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, replace the face-down floating corpse with whatever you like. Um, but the problem with cards like this is that they don't always do what you want them to do, which is not the situation you want to be in when you're putting a card in your deck. So people, I think, immediately think of this card and they go, well, I can snipe all the I've had worse from their hand or I can try and hit their breakers or things like that. And it is useful. The, one of the good things about it is that you get to see their hand, so you do get full information about the runner's grip on the turn that you play it. Um, but there are a few problems with the um, idea of teaming this up with Sea Source and Scorched Earths. Uh, one is that you are taking up a click on the turn that you want to be, that you presumably have a Scorch window open or anticipate having one in the next turn. Um, 
most of the time you can't though anticipate a turn in advance so it's generally going to be a turn that you have the scorch window open it's ge- it's very unlikely that windows where you can tag and kill runners are going to be open for multiple turns a lot of the time it is just one turn that you get that chance even if you do have multiple turns you might not hit something relevant with this so and they might just draw the ipad worse in their next turn so even in the best case scenario i don't think it's that good but the fact that it's inconsistent and you don't a know what their meat damage answers are necessarily um and b even if you do know that they're playing i've had worse and you do play this um it's not actually going to guarantee you a kill because you have to wait till the next turn anyway and they have four more clicks to try and draw their i've had worse i think makes it not a particularly good card the just the one sort of other side of it is that you can use it to take out key cards from their deck um, other than I've had worse if you're not trying to kill them at all you're just trying to go the sort of stack attack NBN style um, you can play one see what they have uh, and then play the second one and get rid of the most relevant cards but again that's not particularly efficient because you're playing four credits two cards and two clicks to do that I I agree with this the first Wayland card is Executive Search Firm. It's an Asset Alliance Ritzy Res Zero Trash 3 Influence 3. This card costs zero influence if you have six or more non-alliance Wayland cards in your deck. It has the ability click, search R&D for an executive, sysop, or character, reveal it, and add it to HQ, shuffle R&D. I like that this card exists. I'm not sure how good it is. Wilfie, you've said in the past that any card that offers a tutoring effect has the ability to really warp or change the game and should be considered. What do you think of this one? Uh, I think this is more like a recruiting trip than Mumbad City Hall, which I yeah. will <laughs> mention that they printed in the literal last pack. They do basically the same thing, except Mumbad City Hall puts it into play and not into your hand. So, like, I'm not sure what's going on with the design of Andrew You can Guerra. use Mumbad City Hall to get your executive search for <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, actually, like, someone I read on the internet <laughs> that uh, some people <laughs> in Biolock are playing this, so you can get it with your Mumbai City Hall, so you can get Elizabeth Mills, so you can kill Salset Slums, which seems like a cool idea, but then I realized that you need to have the Mumbai City Hall at the start of your turn to be able to do that all in one turn, so it actually sucks. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, like... I don't, like, setting aside the fact that executive, sysop, or character, like, cards seem to just be randomly assigned those types, um, the fact that this doesn't, only works with a narrow subset of cards, that's fine, but only works with a narrow subset of cards that you can't really use effectively in multiples in your deck, so if you really need an executive, sysop, or character it's okay, but do you really need three copies of that and also three co- like some number of copies of this? No, it's much more effective if you can play a wide range of executive sysops or characters and be able to get the one you want. That might actually be able to overcome the um, disadvantage of putting it in your hand. It's kind of like executive bootcamp in that way, where people play executive bootcamp and some one-ofs that are good to get. But this card is just much less powerful than Executive Bootcamp because it costs a click to get something, and it's much more narrow what you can get. The next way on the card is Indian Union Stock Exchange. Asset, Res 1, Trash 3, Influence 2. Whenever you res or play an out-of-faction card, including Indian Union Stock Exchange, gain one credit. Uh, um, Jesse. It's good to yeah. I mean, it's good to <laughs> finally see Wayland getting an asset that um, gains money steadily. Um, yeah. 
Except you can't, you won't game your money like in Wayland because it's not out of faction. Um, so when you res this, it'll do literally nothing if you. Play yeah, but then you can, you know, gain an extra credit off your hedge funds, which is something Wayland hasn't been able to do before. Or yeah. um, is that out? Of, does it is neutral out of faction? Yeah, yes. yeah, it is. So it is okay. So if you um, yeah play hedge fund, you can get an extra credit, which is kind of cool. And that's pretty I cool. Think that's I mean, well, I mean, your first hedge fund you play after this, you get the credit back that you spent resing this. So yeah. The second hedge fund after this, assuming you haven't already played one by the time you've installed and res this, uh, will get you an extra credit, which is pretty cool. Um, or if you play like a green level clearance, you can get a, an extra credit off it, um, or pretty much any transaction really, other than the ones in Wayland. <clears throat> um, yeah. Cool. The first neutral piece of ice. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm joking. Go on. What do you think, Wolfie? No, no I mean, the, the, where's the first neutral piece of ice? This pack doesn't have any neutral ice. Cobra. No, there's five Wayland cards in this pack. I don't know. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, oh, is that what's going on? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be uh, a bit of um, a division on uh, whether or not this card is neutral or Wayland. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, it's Cobra Ice Sentry Destroyer AP Res Four Strength One Influence Zero. Has two subroutines. The first is Trash One Program, and the second is Do Two Net Damage. And just before we get onto this card, I really just have to give out a shout out to whoever the guy was that posted the Snaking News deck on Netrunner DB because I laughed like way longer than was really necessary at that write up. Um, and Cobra, Cobra was an all star. Would you say <laughs> it rivals your own fan fiction in um, uh, just depth, I, depth of uh, storytelling ability? I've literally. Uh, no doubt in my mind that it is it is unparalleled uh, in in terms of it. Okay, <laughs> it, uh, if it is light want, years beyond mine. If you want to hear Brian uh, do an audio reading of it of the description on, on <laughs> uh, snacking in news the, in the. Uh, if you want to hear Brian do an audio reading of the description, please let us know on Twitter. We'll get it done as soon as possible. <laughs> I'll do it too. Yeah, and we'll email it to you personally. <laughs> yeah. um, so. Yeah, I mean, wh- firstly, on the wh- whether this is a Wayland card thing, why would they print this in neutral when Assassin's in Wayland and they pretty much are the same, firstly? So, yeah, I think that pretty much puts that debate to bed. Um, uh, in terms of this card, yeah, it's like a miniature Assassin that doesn't need to trace, which is kind of good, uh, in that it's possibly more likely to fire when you res it and you get the same effect in terms of the trash but the net damage is one less uh, the reason it's worse than assassin is that it only costs three less but it has four less strength which is quite significant when you get down to one strength particularly for a four res cost ice we've seen with a range of ice like Aaron boy um and a range of other one strength ice and zero strength ice that mm, uh, parasite is just um a little bit too strong um, and the tempo hit is too big if you do get this sort of ice parasited um, so the question for this card is going to be whether that face check penalty is high enough to make it playable um, but I think that corpse when they're looking at what ice to include in their deck particularly now in the post Faust era um, are looking for things that are really efficient most of the time and I think that something that may be a bit of a blowout sometimes, but a lot of the times it's just going to die to Parasite and be a big tempo hit is not really where you want to be with your ice at the moment. Follow-up question. If you were going to ascribe this card a hierarchical term in, yeah, to describe its relationship to other serpents, what would yeah. it be? Uh, some royal term, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I need probably some the, guidance. I think Prince. Prince? It would probably be the Prince. 
Personally, I think it's the king of all serpents. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, have you read the flavor text? It's pretty clear that it's Prince. <laughs> no. <I'm kidding. laughs> the next new, neutral corp card is localized product line. It is an operation cost for influence three. Search R&D for any number of copies of a card, reveal them and add them to HQ. Shuffle R&D. This is a very interesting card. Um, on, the, on the steeper end of cost for a uh, operation, it also has three influence as well. Um, hopefully you guys have thought of some interesting things you could do with this card, Wilfie. Mm, I don't know about interesting things, really. I think one of the main issues with this card, uh, apart from the cost, which, you know, I think the influence? is high, but you can deal with it if you really want the effect, is that one of the best ways to use tutors is to make your influence stretch make your Fair influence enough. stretch yeah. uh, to more cards like being able to play for example three special order and one corroder gives you four functional corroders even if three of them are not as good and um, this strategy has been used a lot in the past but localized product line costing three influence basically cuts you off from doing any of that regardless of what you're tutoring for um, in the sense that you can't effectively add, play three copies of another card and enough localized product lines to make things efficient. Like, of course, you can get account siphon, but then what? Ha- like, what's this card actually doing for you? Basically, not very much. And so, uh, also, it'd be very difficult to get account siphon. <laughs> I was just card. gonna say something about that. Oh, why? I thought I'd let oh, it slide. Card? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, fine. You can scorch death. The, yeah. Yeah. And comparing it as a tutor to, again, Mumbai City Hall, uh, you're not going to be grabbing Alliance cards with this, are you? <laughs> well, unless you're a bit touched. Uh, but yeah. Anything else on localized product line? Just okay. that the, inf- the influence oh. is so super steep. I it's mean, so bizarre, isn't it? It's, just, are, it's really ser- blown me away. I guess they really felt like this card... I mean, I, I, obviously, it's you know you can see why, right? Biotic laborers and Biotic laborers and, and Scorches... Getting those, but you still will. need like a million credits. Yeah, you would, but <laughs> I suppose you don't have to get like. But like, grab three Astros, reveal them to Lakshmi, Smart Fabrics, or something. I don't know, like, like. There's something going on there. <laughs> There's something yeah. that they're like, shit. We better yeah. chop the influence through the roof on this bad boy. Yeah. Or everyone's going to start playing it, um, which would be <laughs> unfortunate. They'd hate to see the new cards get played. Uh, the last card for the Soul Set. Salset, what's this? Salset Island, Salset Slums. The last card for this pack is Mumbad Virtual Tour. Upgrade Alliance, Res Zero, Trash Five, Influence Two. This card costs zero influence if you have seven or more assets in your deck. If the runner accesses Mumbad Virtual Tour while it is installed, he or she must trash it if able. I was a bit more excited for this card uh, four or five seconds ago when I didn't realize that it had to be installed yeah, to have its too. ability fire. Yeah, I was uh, going the same thing. Yeah. Um, Jesse, you were still saying before the episode that you did really like this card. Is that the same? Or did you miss that couple of lines of text as well? Look, Brian, I'll be honest with you. I did miss that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, I still think that this card has a use um, in control corp decks that want to run a runner through a remote multiple times to drain them of credits, a card like this is useful. Um, the fact that it's an upgrade means that you can put it in there, in your remote, with something that the runner has to run, and then they have to spend the five credits on this. So it's a pseudo-NAPD contract at that point. 
um, because they have to access all the cards in the remote and they have to trash this if they have the money. Uh, the downside of it compared to any petty contract is that you're actually losing as the corp if they don't have the money to trash it, which kind of sucks. Um, so it's only really useful if they're in a range of credits where they will be able to get into your remote. Um, they will have five left over, um, but they won't have so many left over that they'll be able to get in again anyway, even after the five. So there's sort of a narrow window of credits for that. And, and if there's anything else in there that they want to trash that also costs trashing like they can choose to access those ones first well unless they, they guess so wrong. well <laughs> yeah i mean if they're both face down i mean if yeah. if they're running somewhere that's got like say uh, an, an ash, ash and a, yeah. yeah they can choose to access and trash that one first they can which yeah. does um neuter the power level a little, a little bit so yeah it, it may have some sort of play in uh wayland or hb deck that does want to run the runner through a remote multiple times but because of the fact that it doesn't hurt them if they don't trash it, I think that really makes it quite difficult to play. I think it might uh, be... I think that the fact that it's an upgrade that basically ambushes the runner is something that we, I think, haven't seen before. And I think it's... uh, The power... If this card is good, it will be, I think, because one, where it's in a remote, of course, as you said, you can't tell what it is. But two, you can put it on centrals um, in order to... Basically, for zero, you kind of drain them for five when they hit it. Of course, you have to play a deck that kind of want the runner wants to run when they have lots of credits. But I think that's actually a reasonable rate. And if you're trying to um, make them... If you're actually trying to get into an economic war with them then the ability to drain them of five credits for your zero credits is i think fairly powerful and i think you need to be playing this in a deck with a lot of assets because i don't think there is a world in which you want to be paying to influence a pot for this card seven assets is not that many it's not no particularly when most cold decks have jackson already it's actually four that you need to play um yeah i i think you're right there wilfie um one of the downsides is that if you do team it up with NAPD and they do run on your R&D, um, if they're expecting to score on that turn, like if you're playing against R&D into face and maker's eye, they can just access the R&D cards first. But if it's a sort of medium deck or something else, some other strategy where they're going to be doing it multiple times, as you say, the fact that you can make them pay five um, whenever they're at five credits and run would be good but again the fact that they can avoid it by being under five is kind of yeah Hulse, any opinion um, oh he's gone oh, I don't, I'm not, you gotta I'm run not, you gotta go I'm not You're done, too I do have to I do have to run uh really uh <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie I kind of also missed the uh <laughs> like do we all miss that we're so bad yeah um, yeah I mean the, the fact that it would I agree with a lot of the opinions that have already been stated like in short to like the fact that it has to be installed definitely diminishes how good I thought it was. Um, I still think there's a space somewhere um, where you have a deck that's heavy in assets, and maybe you... Ins- I mean, it could just be a simple matter of you install the card naked, and they'll check... They could check random remotes, and you go, oh, surprise, you trash it. But then they're like, surprise, I only have four. Um, so I'm not really sure. Uh, I could see you maybe like stacking another valuable card on this as well, just like... a you know, everyone else has kind of suggested here, like, 
I can see you stacking another valuable, valuable card, like a high priority target, something like a daily business show or a um, turtlebacks. I mean, any, normally you know, cards that generally would generate this high value economy over the long course of the game, and then you're, it forces the runner to play this odd, you know, do this odd math where they go, okay, I have to have exactly nine because I have to run over there and trash this, and then I'll have just not enough to have to trash that card. Um, it makes them think a little differently, and I think I think that's also fine. Um, I don't. I think if I was going to choose an ID to slot this in, it'd probably be Gagarin. Maybe it taxes them well with political assets too, which is another thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slot yeah. that in there with your uh, Sense the Actors Union or something. Cool. Functions uh, like product placement in that sense, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. Upgrade the city's incentive to run. All right, that's uh, pretty much all the time we've got for the winning agenda this week. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail dot com. You can check out our like page on Facebook, The Winning Agenda, and you can tweet us at Winning Agenda. Uh, So thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers. (laughs) See, he wasn't lying when he said he laughed way too long. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. See you guys.